Hello. It's me. It's Ali. Y'all know me. Here to bring you a very off the cuff episode of Zero Brightness. It's off the cuff because I need to chill out. I can't chill out, but I'm trying to. So I'm hoping that maybe together, you and I can sort of go on this journey. Here's the roadmap. I'm going to tell you some of my problems. Well, it's really one big problem, if I'm being honest. It's not just mine, it's everybody's. Well, soon it'll be everybody's, I think. After that, we're just going to relax. We're going to talk about some video games. Actually, we're going to do something been kind of doing in private that's really fun. I'm going to rank all the Resident Evil games, the main entries in the series. More on that later though, because I really just have to get this off my chest. Things have been bad, really, really bad. So if you're a long time listener to the show, or I guess if you've been listening for the past year, you know that previously we did an episode called why we talk about what we talk about came out last summer after the murder of George Floyd, who was an unarmed black civilian who the police murdered here in Minneapolis became a huge issue all around the world, huge flashpoint around police violence and the way that policing is, you know, used in America The man who murdered him, Derek Chauvin, is on trial right now. Um, That trial is set to wrap up this week. And just last week, they murdered another innocent black man here in the Minneapolis metro area. It was um, technically in a suburb, but it's a police force that is known to murder people indiscriminately. Murder innocent people. You know, in 2019... They actually murdered an autistic man, a young man who was involved in a domestic dispute. Basically, you know, there was a misunderstanding. His family, one of his family members called the police and the police shut up and murdered him. And now they've done it again. It was basically a a traffic stop. This young black man named Dante Wright. He was pulled over because of an air freshener hanging from his rear view mirror, which is like a weird technicality. His only crime was that he got nervous when someone shoved a gun in his face. They ended up killing him. So in response, you know, people started protesting. A lot of people, self-included, are very upset. And so the state called in 3,000 troops. That's more troops than are in Afghanistan right now, which I guess we're pulling out of. Hey, congrats. Um, So basically here in the Twin Cities, on every single street corner, if you're in a, you know, dense metro area, there are cops state troopers, National Guard. I just came home from my music space and literally directly across the street, there's a huge military Humvee full of dudes just hanging out. What are they doing here? Well, so essentially, you know, here in Minneapolis and everywhere in America, we have a policing problem. The police are a racist militia. I think at this point, anyone who wants to dispute that is the same as a COVID denier. We have the facts in the case. We know that you can be a white person 
literally armed with an automatic rifle murdering people and be taken into custody safely. But if you're black, you can just be nervous and be murdered for that reason. The people who deny this, like I said, they're the same as COVID deniers. You know, they just have their own racist agenda and they don't want to listen to reality. Here in Minneapolis, we've reached the end point of that, which is basically the state is saying, we don't fucking care. We're siding with the police. The police need to be here. So they are, we're basically under military occupation. Greetings. Hello. This is broadcast to you basically live from military occupied St. Paul. (laughs) Uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul are both kind of experiencing the same thing right now. And it's really fucking disgusting. I think this has really gotten to me and gotten under my skin more than anything else like this because so so many things have happened in the last year. So a year ago, they murdered George Floyd and it caused a huge uproar. Everybody was upset. And like I said, this is around the world, this huge issue. And it feels like everything ground to a halt. You know, there was a similar response. They called in the National Guard. It was very heavily militarized, um, but it was short-lived. And pretty soon after, the Minneapolis police basically threw a hissy fit, a tantrum like a small child would, and stopped doing their jobs completely. Now, what I mean when I say that is that, you know, the cops, even though they're well-known for hassling people of color and generally just being fucking assholes, they have work-a-day, like, civil servant shit they're supposed to do. So, like... If you're in a fender bender, you need a cop to come out and fill out a little card and give it to you so that when you contact your insurance, the whole thing goes smooth. Or if you're in a serious accident, you need a cop there to make sure that traffic is directed and that your car gets moved and all that kind of shit. Like they can help with stuff like that. The Minneapolis police stopped doing even stuff like that. And, you know, most importantly, they stopped doing traffic stops. And here's what happened in that year. Here's the crazy thing. Their plan was that they were going to kind of withdraw, you know, and people are going to see that, oh, we need the police. This place is a hellhole without the police. What actually happened is that literally nothing changed. Nothing changed. The only thing that changed is that they didn't murder anybody in that year. So cut to last week. A couple months into them resuming doing traffic stops and basically acting as if everything is normal, they murder another innocent, young, unarmed black man. That's what they do. They're a racist militia. There's no disputing this at this point. Like I said, I've seen it with my own eyes. We, in our old apartment building, we saw a guy with a shotgun or a rifle or some kind of serious weaponry who tried to kill his girlfriend, failed, tried to kill himself, failed, was threatening everyone else in the building and threatening to shoot out the window. And they apprehended him with no life loss. They almost fucking blew my head off because they're so fucking dumb that they thought that our apartment was his apartment. And so when they tried to like come in and get us, we were trying to go out because we didn't realize that they had evacuated the building. Nobody knocked on our door. Nobody said anything. As we're leaving, a dude cocked his gun and pointed it straight at my fucking forehead. And, you know, we basically got stranded outside in our underwear for hours while they, like, tried to negotiate with this fucking cracker to come out. And that dude's alive and happy and probably beating the shit out of his girlfriend. And, you know, totally innocent people 
are dead because they have different colored skin. That's how it is. The other wrinkle here is as they're calling in all these enforcements and doing this militarized response, they're also literally making protesting illegal. They've just proposed a bill in the House here that basically if you get arrested for protesting, you're denied all aid and benefits. That's anything. Scholarships, EBT, any assistance from the state. And they already called curfew. So if you're out after curfew, it's illegal to be on the streets. This is a military crackdown against people who are protesting like violent ethno-fascism. And yet we're still having a debate. Even worse than the debate though, because obviously you can look at all the fucking middle-aged assholes on Facebook and say, well, of course they want to just like lick the police's boots or whatever. Even worse than that, I think, is that we are being blacked out here. They are trying to cover this up. And I know this because I look around the internet and everybody is acting as if it's just business as usual. This is not business as fucking usual. This is a literal military occupation. And it's not because anybody did anything. You know, no civilian committed a crime or did anything illegal. It's because the police here cannot stop killing black people. They are trained to do it. The police here are not trained to be you know, advisors in a conflict. They're not trained to bring people in peacefully. They're trained to fucking murder. The head of the police union is a guy named Bob Kroll. He was a big proponent of something called warrior training. Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd, was basically like the, you know, golden boy of warrior training. The whole idea behind it is that you are always in a dangerous situation, so you fight and you kill whoever is in front of you. That's not what fucking police are supposed to do. You're not supposed to commit a crime and then die. This is real life. It's not Judge Dredd. This is America. America is a fucking shithole. And the only thing we've ever prided ourselves on is that we don't live under fascism. And yet, here we are. Sunny St. Paul, where it's illegal to be black. It's illegal to protest. It's illegal to look at a cop the wrong way. So to call back to that other episode, I mean... This is why I talk about this shit all the time, because we are at a turning point here. We, you know, I don't really think the Twin Cities or Minnesota is a very special place, but we do have a special set of circumstances here um, that have made us a kind of test case for how much will we take. You know, we're seen as a kind of comfortable middle-class city there are a lot of opportunities and a lot of aid for certain people and for others that aid is non-existent there are huge disparities between black and non-black people here in minnesota and in the twin cities you can look it up the statistics um, on the disparity between education between income you know between the way they're treated by police incarceration it's enormous. It's standout. Minnesota and Wisconsin both have these issues. Wisconsin, of course, has had their own police shootings. It's a place where famously Kyle Rittenhouse, who is an armed vigilante, went, murdered innocent protesters, and was basically allowed to go home afterwards. So we're in a place where some people are very, very comfortable, and some people are very, very uncomfortable. 
And the powers that be are using this as an opportunity to push us to our limits. Uh, they're, you know, they're looking and seeing what are we going to do. And we have things like social media and we have things like, you know, traditional media that are telling us that everything is okay and everything is normal. But if you walk down the street, there are, you know, guys with machine guns in Humvees just like standing there. Everything is clearly not okay. It's what makes us all so galling, you know? Like our leadership here, they would all call themselves progressives, and yet they just keep giving more and more money to the police. They keep calling in the National Guard. They keep saying that they know we have a problem with policing while doing nothing unless it's to give the police more money and more support. All we've learned here is that we don't need the police, and yet the state is going to keep shoving the fucking police down our throat. And they're going to keep killing us. And this is extremely personal to me because it's like I have people in my family who visibly could not safely walk down the street right now. I mean, it's fucked, man. And the assumption that everything is normal and everything is supposed to be cool and chill is even more fucked. I've felt like for the last week... I've just been losing my goddamn mind. I mean, I already felt that way because everyone here is acting like COVID is over when like barely anybody is vaccinated. But you add this into the mix and it's like, are we not seeing this? Are we all not seeing the same fucking thing? I think amongst people here, yeah, that's absolutely the case because some people are choosing not to see it. They benefit from the way things are and they don't want things to change. Elsewhere in the country, I have to start to wonder like, are we being censored? Are we being hidden from the world? Like, are we just this little, like, you know, tiny country that is being occupied by the military that no one's allowed to look at or see into or what? I don't know. But it's a fucking mess. And I think at moments like these, you know, the thought of putting together a show and editing it and putting in the time into it, it's like so absurd. Because it's like what i'm gonna talk about video games but at the same time you have to chill out i think that's the the push and pull here is like you have to chill out and you kind of have to just do things like play video games and talk about video games so i wanted to start this out by telling you what my problem is and i want to say that it's going to be your problem if you think that your town doesn't have a problem with racism and policing and police violence you are wrong. You are incorrect. If you don't think your leaders will throw you under the bus to support militarized fascism in your town, you are wrong. And you need to realize this and think about what you are going to do. Because we have now been caught flat-footed by this twice. And I don't have the answers, and I don't know what to do, but I need people to know that this is fucking real and this is happening right now i think that people looked at donald trump as such a peak of american fascism because he was just such a cartoonish dictator that they didn't realize that the we are actually only in the beginning of america's slide into fascism and i don't think that it's unavoidable like i don't think that we are just like moving into fascism and nothing can stop it but 
we are now kind of facing the real struggle of that slide into fascism, which is the kind of grinning, you know, centrist equality campaign sticker bedecked, you know, face of fascism. Like we're looking at, you know, Joe Biden's demented smiling mug and knowing that he wants all of our necks under a fucking boot. That's the thing. All the politicians here in Minnesota are exactly that way. We've got Governor Walls, who's like, I used to be a social studies teacher. I'm so friendly, who called the fucking cops on us, basically. You've got our mayor, Jacob Fry, who's like a national laughingstock because he's just a dumb little boy. That's the real face of fascism, like these sort of smiling, centrist, smug pieces of shit. So I just want everyone to know that that's what's going on. And I want you to think about your life and where you live and the people like that who would call the National Guard on you because you're fucking next. So what have I been doing to relax? I don't know how to relax anymore, in all honesty. My dreams are just all burning flags and streets covered in blood. Myself ridden with a virus, laying in a gutter. This isn't a bit either, I honestly can't sleep anymore. But, video games. You have to play video games, right? You have to just chill out. And I will say that one thing that has kind of kept me engaged in things other than imagining how America is going to go out is getting hyped up for Resident Evil 8. Resident Evil 8. It's almost here. Uh, I just played the demo. Uh, it's good, man. So for anyone who's confused about this, because I was very confused about this, uh, Capcom is doing these timed demo releases and Basically, when it comes out, you can download the demo, um, play a half an hour, which is about how long it takes to beat the demo itself. And that's it until the next demo comes out. So the first one came out on the 17th. You can access it on PS4 or PS5. I played on PS4. More on that in a second. Uh, the next one, I believe, comes out on the 24th. It's like a week later. And then on May 1st, uh, both sections of the demo, because they're two different sections, are going to be available on every platform. It's a little bit annoying, and I've been kind of frustrated with how Capcom has been rolling out uh, Resident Evil 8, because it's been very weird and secretive, and it's been hard to kind of get a read on what the game is going to be and what the game is going to be like, and that's been kind of disappointing to me. And the way they're rolling out this demo is just kind of weird and annoying again. But anyway, I do have a PS4, and I know it's kind of like a next-gen game, so I was a little nervous to play it. But I got the demo, I played it. Uh, I played it on a base model PS4 that I was actually mirroring via wired remote play to my computer so I could stream it in the Discord and hang out with some friends while I played it. And I gotta say, uh, it ran great. It looked great, no issues. If you don't have a PS5 or a PC and you're thinking about getting a on PS4, I'd say green light, go ahead. Seems like it's gonna work really well and run really well on that platform. And you know, in terms of the demo itself, it was very interesting. It seems to be a, a chunk of like the intro of the game, which is set in the titular village 
right before you move on to the castle, which we've seen a lot of, you know, teases and previews of. And I guess what I gleaned from the demo were a few interesting points. So number one, first thing, which is a big thing for me, was the fact that the game does seem to be a little bit open worldy, or at least open area based in its design. You know, there is some speculation that it was going to be more of an open world game. Uh, and I think playing the demo, it seems to at least be like an evil within style open area kind of game. So in the demo, you are in a village, you're just given, you know, the run of the place. You can go to any house in the village or walk through the fields in the center of it and whatever. And you basically just have a couple of kind of like big central puzzles that you're trying to solve to move on to the next area. It's a really cool design. I think upon my last playthrough of Resident Evil 4, I got kind of hyped up for Resident Evil games that were a little bit more open worldy because that first village section of Resident Evil 4 is more open ended than I remembered. And I was like, man, if you just took out the loading screens, this would be a really cool experience. That's basically what Resident Evil 8 seems to be. You know, another big point here is that uh, this demo was very cinematic, um, super well directed, like kind of cutscenes. you know, tons of characters with actually good and interesting dialogue. You actually meet a little crew of like seven ish people who live in the village and they banter back and forth and have their own concerns. They set the scene that it's this village that's kind of overrun by like evil or demonic entities really cool, really well done, and very different from what we expect from Resident Evil. I'd compare it more to something like Amnesia. Um, that was like the first thing that jumped to mind, especially the newer Amnesia, where it's like, you know, good voice acting, good writing. It's like, oh, they're kind of going for more of this prestige gaming kind of storytelling style. Outlast 2 also jumped to mind, like even though I don't like that game, which I'm also realizing now that I need to actually some point talk about why i don't like that game uh that game had really high production value obviously a lot of time and effort put into the writing and voice acting and that kind of thing resident evil 8 kind of has that vibe not gonna lie and i'm into it man i'm kind of psyched for it like if resident evil is going to go down that road and take influence from those more modern games and do something a little bit more like prestige gaming i guess I th I've been thinking about that term a lot because I've been watching Boardwalk Empire, which I think is maybe like the peak of like prestige TV and seeing a lot of parallels between newer games and shows like that, you know, Resident Evil has a vibe. Um, I'm kind of psyched for it, man. It's pretty cool. The one thing I couldn't really get a read on was the sort of combat and basic mechanics of the game. Uh, from the jump, it feels a lot like Resident Evil 7. Obviously, it's still in the RE engine. You know, same interface style, same inventory style. Doesn't really look like much has changed there. I've said before, I don't love the combat in 7. Um, this one, I basically fought like one enemy. It was very cool. Sound design of it was crazy. It was really scary. I was able to run away. I kind of like ran out of ammo and just like ran for it, which was cool. But... Um, didn't get a, a, a good read on how different the mechanics are going to be. I will say just the basic fact that you are fighting more capable enemies. Like this was this weird ghoul man who was really fast and was kind of like dodging me and 
just the fact that that's going to be who you're fighting instead of just a, a ink blob like in seven was very cool and I appreciated that another thing I noticed too was just kind of checking out the aesthetics and what the visual design and the style of the game is going to be the village is really cool it's super rustic and like I said super cinematic at the end of the demo, there's a new trailer that gives you some flashes of what the rest of the game is going to look like. Obviously, the castle is going to be very RE4 influenced, very like, you know, high gothic, arch Victorian looking sort of castle vibe. But we did get some glimpses of what's going to be beyond that. You know, the game is set in the future. You're playing as Ethan who is from Resident Evil 7, who's now looking for his daughter. So we know it's at least a good you know few years into the future and i was kind of wondering how they're going to handle that we know chris redfield is also in it in it and he kind of has that quasi futuristic paramilitary vibe to him and his men who are with him but we got some little glimpses at some of the environments and what they're going to look like it looks a little bit like steampunky like it is, you know, techy and futuristic, but it's also old fashioned. It's all grounded in within this kind of castle setting. Looks really cool. We also got to look at more of the antagonists. Obviously, Lady um, Dimitriou or whatever her name is, Big Lady. Uh, we've gotten a very good look at her and everybody is, you know, salivating over that. But it kind of looks like there's going to be a whole cabal of enemies, like a small council of crazy outsized comic booky villains. Like there's one, once again, he kind of looks like steampunk Van Helsing guy who features heavily within this trailer. Um, he's going to be a big part of the game. We saw some other characters like that. It looks interesting. I think using these very outsized, wild, comic booky sort of characters and combining it with this more like well-written, directed and acted like prestige storytelling style is actually going to be very, very cool. So yeah, I'm hyped, man. I think Resident Evil 8 is going to be actually pretty cool. I've been on the fence about it for a while now, but like I said, it's mostly because I've just been frustrated with the way it's been rolled out. Uh, it's not so much that I thought it looked really stupid. I thought it looked incoherent, and I couldn't get a good read on what they were trying to do with this entry in the series. But now that I've actually got some hands-on time with it, seen a little bit more of what they're going for, I'm pretty hyped. Uh, I think it's going to be cool. And I'm hoping they sort of avoid some of the pitfalls of the Resident Evil 7 style of game. So, once again, today, I'm just trying to chill. As I've said before, I have a bunch of episodes in development that are going to be super fun. I have great guests. I'm covering games that are long-time asks or returning to games that I want to talk about again. I mean, it's just a lot of fun stuff is on the horizon, but today... I'm just taking some time to myself and I'm doing something that I've been doing on our Patreon. So I'm going to talk about that for a second. So on the Patreon, every week I do a show called Zero Brightness Plus. And Zero Brightness Plus is a show for me to review games or talk about music or kind of just do whatever. It's sometimes me, sometimes with guests. This is a place to have fun and just kind of chill out. 
One thing that I've been doing that I think everybody has had a lot of fun with, self-included, is picking series and either kind of giving an overview of the series or in some cases ranking all the main entries in the series. So today I decided I'm going to just lean into the Resident Evil hype. I'm going to give in to the fact that I'm super hyped for Resident Evil 8. And I'm going to go through and I'm going to rank every main entry in the Resident Evil series. So if you're familiar with the Patreon episodes, you know, I'm basically just going to go through. I'm going to talk a little bit about each game in the series. As I go through, I'll put them in kind of a ranked order. And then at the end, I'm going to go back again and make sure I actually like my list. Uh, And it kind of jives with how I actually feel inside. Before I get into that, though, I do want to say, if you like this, this is a great preview of the content that is on our Patreon. The Patreon is really cool. There's tons of stuff on there, and it starts at a dollar a month. So if you just want the audio episodes, you just want to get weekly content from me in addition to the bi-weekly main show, it's a dollar a month. Check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Another thing I do want to plug is that we just did do a new shirt. The pre-order is over, but if you're interested, you can check out our Bandcamp. Links to everything are at zerobrightness.com. I did put in the order, so I have some extra sizes left available for people who missed that in the small to extra large range. It's kind of wild. It's a crazy shirt. I'm not trying to make too many of them because I might get a cease and desist over it. That lets you know it's actually very good. So if you're not familiar, let me tell you how this is going to go. I'm going to go through the main entries in the Resident Evil series chronologically. I'll talk a little bit about each game, give some thoughts on it, and I'm going to enter it into a Google Doc I have open. And as we go, we're going to try and do a rough ranking. And like I said, at the end, we'll go back and reconsider. In the background, of course, we have some relaxing music from the series. In my Zelda episode, for example, I had some relaxing Zelda lo-fi hip-hop beats to chill and study to. For this, you know, Resident Evil, it's such an easy choice, right? We have uh, a Resident Evil save room music compilation going in the background. It's every Resident Evil game and spinoffs, all the save room music. Really amazing. I've already heard some stuff that I was not familiar with. Super wild. And for those of you who are already members of the Patreon or are going to join because I've convinced you, the Zero Brightness Plus episode for this week will be me going through and ranking all of the Resident Evil spinoff games that I've played. Because you know I haven't played all of them. Has anybody played all of them? That's a question to keep you up at night. Anyway, let us begin. Oh, also... (laughs) I'm usually very stringent about editing out like mouse clicks and keyboard sounds, but because of the nature of this and the fact that I'm just winging it, uh, you're going to hear a lot of mouse clicks and keyboard sounds. Sorry, slash, sort of not sorry. Okay. We begin at the beginning. Resident Evil in 1996. Resident Evil is such a huge game. It's monolithic. It's a game changer. Yet, it's also a game that's been remade to great effect. It's a game that's been iterated upon to great success. 
So to me, the first Resident Evil, as legendary as it is and as much as I love it, it's kind of always going to be like right in the middle of the tier ranking of Resident Evil games, I think. We'll see how this plays out. But that's my gut feeling. Like, they kind of nailed it in one with the original game, you know, in terms of the puzzle box design, the slow and stressful combat, you know, the kind of weird schlocky storytelling. Everything that makes a Resident Evil game a Resident Evil game is present in the original game. And yet, because of that, you've seen so many echoes of it that... To me, it would be almost kind of like ridiculous to be like, it's the best one or something like you would have to be really fueled by nostalgia. So I do love the original Resident Evil, but I am going to put it for now. I mean, it's our first entry, but I'm going to put it in the middle. I'm going to, you know, hit enter a couple times and put it right in the middle. That's where we're at. Resident Evil. Okay. So Resident Evil 2 in 1998. Uh, Resident Evil 2 easy pick for me of like best in the series and that's just for me personally because it's the one I've played the most it's the one I've spent the most time with it's the one that I've thought about the most and really just like been uh, inside the most you know what I mean like and to me Resident Evil 2 in a lot of ways presents itself as like the platonic ideal of like a first gen survival horror game it's got the great aesthetics the great music that combination of like more modern vibes with the sort of, you know, haunted mansion vibes. The fact that it has such a great flow to the puzzles and the gameplay and all that sorts of stuff. And like, kind of like I referenced a minute ago, the fact that it is just kind of a perfection of the original game makes it such a, such a like standout in the series. So, Let's put Resident Evil 2 at the top for now, uh, and we'll see what happens. Okay, 1999, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. So I've kind of made it known on this show that I have this sort of hot take that I don't think this game is actually very good. And I feel like the facts of its development or like the realities of its development kind of bear that out. Like we know Resident Evil 3 was not supposed to be a numbered entry in the series. You know, presumably it would have just been called Resident Evil Nemesis. It would have been kind of more of a spin-off. And that's the vibe it has to me. It's a good game. It is a very good PS1 style like survival horror game. But it's also very tentative. You know, I have this feeling about this game and the next one in the series that the devs wanted to go in a more exciting and action-oriented direction, but the tech wasn't there. The design ideas were not there to really make that a reality. And so you get this game that is very much a slow, clunky, Gen 1 survival horror game that wants to be an exciting cinematic action game. And... The marriage of those two styles, it just doesn't work. Like, Resident Evil 3 has these nods towards being more action-oriented, like the ammo system and the weapon system. Um, the fact there's more enemies on screen, combat's a little more hectic and frantic. 
They also added in this like real-time choice element where you'll sort of be plunged into a cutscene with Nemesis chasing you and you'll have to pick, you know, are you going to stand and fight? Are you going to try and flee? Or are you going to take this path or that path? I don't know. It just doesn't really hit for me. Um, I, like I said, I think it's kind of clunky. It's a weird middle ground between actually being an action game and being a weird clunky approximation of an action game. So we're going to put this one a little bit lower. It's beneath the original right now. I'm leaving a few slots. We'll see what happens here. Resident Evil Code Veronica is next. Um, so this one too, I guess you could argue, is it a spinoff? It is a main numbered entry. Well, it's not numbered, but it's definitely a main entry in the series. It has the feel that it's supposed to be Resident Evil 4, or it really should have been Resident Evil 3. So I'm going to consider it a main entry in the series. Now, Code Veronica has a lot of the same problems as Resident Evil 3. It has that weird tension between the more action-oriented elements, like the story and the combat and the area design, and, you know, the more traditional survival horror elements. So things like fixed camera angles and tank controls and, you know, the very goofy storytelling. And I kind of feel like that's not a good tension. It's not a positive tension. It ends up being a net negative. You know, there is a certain point in the game where it just becomes too difficult for its own good. There's a moment aboard like um, a kind of like a carrier, like freight airplane where you have to fight this nemesis style bad guy. And it's just so ridiculously difficult. And it's literally just an item checkpoint. Like if you've hoarded enough ammo at this point in the game, you'll be okay. If you haven't, you won't be. It sucks. It's bad design. And you know, when you combine that with the fact that the story is not compelling, it's super goofy and really over the top in a bad way. It's just, the game feels like a mess. This is the Resident Evil game, I think, of this kind of classic era that I think by far is the least rewarding to return to. Um, I have a lot of really good memories with it. I do kind of love this game, but I also rarely want to actually play it. So I actually am going to dump this one beneath RE3, right beneath RE3 is Code Veronica, because I think these games are very similar. They have a lot of the same DNA and a lot of the same problems, but RE3 is at least a tightly wound experience. It's kind of like a total package. Code Veronica doesn't feel that way. And also it's like, you have like a classic, like strong protagonist paired with like a dopey dude. And I think in the in that regard, Steve is so much worse than Carlos. Holy shit. I mean, like, OG Carlos is totally a potato. Like, remake Carlos, very cool, hot, sexy man. OG Carlos is a potato, but Steve is like... God, there are words for Steve, but I don't feel like... I don't feel comfortable saying any of them, so we're just gonna move on and just say that Code Veronica is kind of like RE3, but worse. Okay, what's next? Resident Evil Remake is next. God damn. Uh, wow. Where do you put this one? Because Remake rocks. Remake, 
you know, okay, let, let's say it this way. If Resident Evil 2 is like the perfection of the original Resident Evil, I think that Resident Evil Remake is the perfection of that entire style of game. Like, updating the visuals and the design to be a lot more eye-popping and updating the, you know, the puzzle solving and the combat and all that stuff to be just a little bit more user-friendly. It's a big game changer and it makes the game just so much more inviting and fun to play while still being like a challenging and ultimately niche experience. It's kind of a masterwork, I think. And you know, regardless of whether you're really familiar with the genre or not, you can kind of pick up and play it and say, oh, this is something really unique and really incredible. So, shit, guys. I think for now, I'm actually going to put Remake as the top doggy right above Resident Evil 2. Because, uh, you know, I gotta give props to my main man, Resident Evil 2. But Remake is just, just a banger. Okay, so next is Resident Evil Zero. Another game that is just barely technically a main entry in the series, because it's numbered. Zero. Zero is a number. And I gotta respect it. I talked about Resident Evil Zero in episode 91. Um, very weird, interesting game that is ultimately just kind of a mess. You know, it was like they wanted to make something like Resident Evil 5 that's very co-op based and all built around having two players but it's a single player game the co-op stuff is just kind of clunky i will say that resident evil zero is more approachable in terms of returning to it and playing it again it's more approachable than code veronica it's harder to get stuck its wackiness is a little more palatable like crazy opera singing Cronenbergian Bishonen bad guy is more interesting than like you know sexual predator Steve so I'm gonna say it's beneath Resident Evil Zero but it's above Code Veronica you know it's like a better Code Veronica if you wanted a scattered mess of a Resident Evil side story I think you'd be better off playing RE Zero than you would code veronica yeah i feel confident in that that's a good judgment i think okay so next up resident evil 4 fucking hell where do i put resident evil 4 y'all know i love resident evil 4 but like is it better than remake is it better than re2 fuck I don't know let me talk this out so Resident Evil 4 what I love about it is it's so itself and its identity is that it's a play on all of the original Resident Evil games it kind of reimagines them as games where the action is the forefront and the fun factor is at the forefront of the experience it's not as much concerned with being slow and atmospheric and scary but because of that it actually ends up being very slow and atmospheric and scary at parts while also being utterly ridiculous and crazy and fast-paced at parts i think you know one thing i've realized lately is that i really really value replayability in a resident evil game because 
I love this series. I've been playing these games for so long and following the series for so long that like my favorite entries are the ones that I want to replay over and over and over and over. And you know, that's even to the point where I've decided, you know, I am going to do an episode with Justin about Resident Evil 8. I'm not going to rush it. I'm not falling into that trap again, but I am going to do one. And I decided that I am going to play the entire game through twice because I don't think that I truly know how I feel about any Resident Evil game until I've at least played it twice. So there's some games that on my first play, I was like, wow, that was awesome. And then upon repeat plays, I was just like, no, like, this is not awesome. That's really like a big way that I feel about Resident Evil 7, you know? So taking that into account, Resident Evil 4 is the one that I've replayed the most. It's the one that I want to replay the most. Like, it is the game that I always feel like playing. And it's been the most influential upon the rest of the series. Like, love it, hate it, you have to give it up that every game after it pulls so heavily from this game. Like, they figured out the formula. In a way, it's kind of like a mirror of Resident Evil 2. Where it's like, oh, that's the game where they figured out the formula. Resident Evil 4 is the game where they figured out the formula for the next, I don't know, like 15 plus years of the series. And who knows, like they might just keep running with that formula. So Resident Evil 4 is huge, man. I'm going to put it at the top for now. I'm just not going to overthink it. Right now, RE4 is tops. And we'll see what happens when we return to that later. Okay. What's next? Resident Evil 5. Alright, easy. Bottom of the list. Resident Evil 5 is garbage. Um, its mechanics don't work. It's not internally consistent with itself. It's a slog to play. It's not even fun with a friend. And it's full of racism. So I, I opened this episode by talking about racism, violence and policing, etc, etc, etc. You know, it's funny that I think that Resident Evil is one of those kind of schlocky action series that avoids being like copaganda or like, uh, you know, exalting the police or anything, even though you're playing as a cop, because the game is so ridiculous. The game is so not true to life. Like, it's clearly just this like absurd play on 80s and 90s action movies. Like, there's no way you could read this as like realistic or having something to say. But then you get to Resident Evil 5 and it's like the racism is so intense that you do have to take it into account and then you take into account the fact that you're just like a cop and you're just like, wow, this sucks. So Resident Evil 5 should be banished. Um, not banned. I mean, I think it should be shot into the sun. It's garbage. Bottom of the list. Okay, what's next? Resident Evil 6. So this, you know, this is kind of the corner of the series that I've really been mining lately. You know, talking a lot about these games, doing a lot of content about these games. And as much as I hated Resident Evil 5 and never want to play it again, Resident Evil 6 surprised the shit out of me. I mean, you can listen to the episode to hear me talk about it. Uh, pretty damn good game, all considered. I feel like, you know, it has its weaknesses and it's weird. Like, you really just have to play Leon's story. It's much better if you play it with a friend. 
you know, there's all these caveats, so I'm not gonna jump out the window and be like, RE6, best game, but I feel like among the Resident Evil games that I either don't love or that I feel conflicted about, RE6 is the king of those because I think it's it's the best of those. You know what I mean? So right now I'm kind of looking at, here's, here's the murderer's row of uh, Resident Evil games that I either have conflicting feelings about or I don't like. Resident Evil 3, Resident Evil 0, Code Veronica, Resident Evil 5. I'm going to put Resident Evil 6 as the king of those. It's the best of the worst. It's the biggest fish in the smallest pond. And I know that putting Resident Evil 6 above Resident Evil 3 is like a pretty scorchingly hot take, but I had a lot of fun. I think Leon's campaign is really fun. It's a great RE4 style game, like I said in the episode. If you're a fan of Evil Within, Resident Evil 4, you're going to have some fun with Leon's campaign, especially if you have a friend there to just shoot the shit and hang out. Okay, next, Resident Evil 7. I think Resident Evil 7 is the actual uh, king of the shit pile, because... <laughs> Resident Evil 7 is a game that's like technically good, like it's really pretty and it's mechanics work and blah blah blah, but like I said in the Resident Evil 7 episode, I don't think it holds up to repeat plays. I've played it twice now and I have zero interest in returning to it. Like even upon my first play, it started as like, this game is amazing and ended with, I don't really like this game. Uh, on my second play, it kind of started as, well, this is pretty good, and ended with, wow, I can't stand this game, you know? So, like, Resident Evil 7, like I said in that episode, it's like a magic trick. Uh, you see it once, and you're totally bowled over, you love it. The more you play it, and the more you pick it apart, the more you realize that it's really front-loaded, and it changes styles so drastically that it runs the risk of alienating the player. Like. Let me say this, I'm not saying that my opinion of this game is, like, universal, I know it's not, but I do feel like because the game drastically goes from this kind of, like, Outlast-style game where you're very disempowered and you don't do any combat or anything like that, to this very combat-oriented, like, first-person shooter type of game, um, that's a journey that I think not every player can be expected to totally love. So, yeah, the best moments of this game are incredible, and the worst moments are whatever the opposite of incredible is. I'm going to put it right now as, the, like I said, the real king of the shit pile. RE7, it's above RE6 and all those other games I mentioned, but it's below the original, and it's below the games that I think are real, like, killers. You know what I mean? The real fucking rockers of the series. Okay, just a couple more here to rank, and then we'll kind of check out this list. And these are going to be tough. So next, RE2 Remake. Shit. <laughs> so, RE2 Remake is an amazing game. It's an amazing design choice. It's really, really cool. I recently did some videos and some other content about how I think that similar to RE7, upon repeat plays, 
uh, you start to kind of see under the hood and it's maybe not as impressive as your first play but I'll say unlike Resident Evil 7 where it just took like two playthroughs I mean with Resident Evil 2 remake it took like four playthroughs and ultimately the choice to make it this kind of like RE4 style game that's also very ornate and difficult and hyper detail oriented and challenging that's a really cool choice and as much as I love the original RE2 I feel like it does kind of supplant it at this point like and I, and I know that from experience if I feel like playing even just a bit of RE2 I'm much more likely to pick up the remake than I am the original I'm not proud of that but shit doggy RE2 remake kind of rocks so I'm gonna say RE2 make <laughs> uh, as I'm going to confusingly render it in my dock is gonna go or above Resident Evil 2 but below the original remake because I still think that's kind of like the best original style uh, Resident Evil game and looking at that that feels so fucked up and wrong but we'll reckon with that in a moment we have one more game to look at that's of course the Resident Evil 3 remake now here's my hot take I'm jumping out the window with it and I don't care Resident Evil 3 Remake is maybe the most just flat-out fun Resident Evil game ever made. It's a big improvement on the Resident Evil 2 Remake. It's a pretty astonishing game. And to me, as someone who appreciates the fact that Resident Evil games are supposed to be, like, fun, kind of schlocky action games... I think that Resident Evil 3 is kind of a big achievement for the series because it does that while also being tense and scary and, you know, doing all the things you expect a traditional Resident Evil game to do. And, you know, upon repeat plays, it's really, really, really fun. Like... I did a video on the Patreon recently where I played Resident Evil 2 Remake and then played Resident Evil 3 Remake back to back. And I was kind of shocked. Like, I had so much more fun playing RE3 than RE2. You know, it's just the flexibility of the combat, you know, the fast and fluid feel to it. The push and pull of the open areas and the more linear areas. I think one thing with the RE2 remake is that it is a little bit more open and non-linear, but in those areas you are extremely fenced in by Mr. X. The decision to make him this kind of free-roaming, random obstacle that pops out at you is one that I think is highly questionable upon repeat plays. Kind of what I was getting at earlier where you don't know how you feel about these games until you play them over and over and over uh that's definitely how i feel about mr x first play it was cool upon repeat plays it was like just annoying like you just find yourself hiding out in the safe room waiting for him to fuck off so i'm gonna throw it second under re4 am i outing myself as like a big like normcore Resident Evil fan that I like the fun action ones is that what I'm doing are you witnessing this in real time is this historic 
live from military-occupied St. Paul, Minnesota? Might be so, friendos. Okay. So, that's every game. So let's look at the list and let's maybe move things around and rethink things. Because this is kind of first thought, best thought. But here's the list right now. From bottom to top. In last place is Resident Evil 5. Above that, Code Veronica. Above that, Resident Evil 0. Above that, Resident Evil 3. Next, RE6. Followed by RE7. So let me pause there and say that I 100% am going to stick with this ranking. I think RE5 is terrible. Code Veronica and RE0 are both messes, but I like RE0 a little bit better. RE3 is a classic that's also very flawed and weird. I don't flat out love, you know? And then RE6 and RE7 are both really good games that I have reservations about. That's the bottom half of the list. The top half right now is Resident Evil, the original, RE2, RE2 Remake, the original remake, RE3 Remake, and RE4. This is where it gets a little bit more contentious for me. I don't really know how to rank these. I think the original Resident Evil is in exactly the right spot. Because, like I said, I think it's the middle point of the series. It's a great game, but it's super embryonic. Every other game in the series iterates upon it. So, I think a fair amount of these games need to be above it, but a fair amount need to also be below it because it's the template. RE2 is a big sticking point here for me because it's maybe the best game in the series, but because it's been remade and iterated upon by these other games, I don't want to put it much higher. Like, despite all my problems with the RE2 remake, I would just on a fun factor pick up and play basis rather play that than the original. So maybe I'm just going to rock with that. Above that is the is remake, the, the remake of the original game. I think that one needs to be pretty high because it's sort of like the best of the classic style. But then up top I have RE3 remake and RE4. That that feels weird. But I guess I'm also just going off of the fact that those are like the most fun to play. Yeah, you know what? I think I actually nailed it in one. I think that's actually the list. Like, you know, you could debate it. You could say maybe something should be a bit higher or a bit lower, but I guess just in terms of what's fun, what would I want to pick up and play right now? And not trying to take into account, like, weird stuff like historical significance or what sold the most or whatever. I mean, this is like my list right here. Yeah, I like this list. So, okay, let me run it down again. Just for everybody in the back. 
And uh, I'm numbering them now. I can see this is actually 12 games. Which is crazy. Just taking into account like non-numbered entries and remakes and all that stuff. Pretty wild. Resident Evil 8 is going to be what I would consider to be the ninth. Or, I mean, sorry, the, the 13th main entry in the series. Kind of hilarious. You gotta love that. Okay. So here's my list again. One more time. Number 12, Resident Evil 5. Number 11, Code Veronica. Number 10, Resident Evil 0. Number 9, Resident Evil 3. Number 8, Resident Evil 6. Number 7, Resident Evil 7. Number 6, the original Resident Evil. Number 5, Resident Evil 2, The Beloved. Number 4, the Resident Evil 2 Remake. Number 3, the original Resident Evil Remake for the GameCube. Number 2, the Resident Evil 3 Remake. And number 1, Resident Evil 4. So that's my list. And you heard my reasoning why I put things where they are. What do you think? What's your list? What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Let me know. You know, you can jump on the Patreon and talk to me. You can jump in the Discord and talk to me. Uh, you can leave a comment on SoundCloud. Maybe some other platforms, although I probably won't see it. You can find links to everything at zerobrightness.com. And that's the fun of this, you know? Like, I love to do these episodes where I just talk about games and series I love and you know, connect with you guys, talk to you guys. Let me know. What do you think? What What are the hot takes here? What did I get wrong? What do you think should be higher up? What do you think should be lower? What did I just totally write off unfairly? What have I not covered yet also? Because like some of the games that I like the least, like Resident Evil 3 and Code Veronica, original Resident Evil, I haven't covered yet, you know, or not, I don't know, but I haven't covered the original Resident Evil 2 yet there's a lot of room for this to grow and change maybe it's something to revisit in the future once I've done like episodes about those games you know but yeah I would love to talk to you guys about this I would love to just chat you know I think this has worked I think I am somewhat chilled out so I'm gonna end it here I hope you guys enjoyed this I'll catch you out there, and we'll be back to more normal content very, very soon. I hope you all stay safe, I hope you all stick together, and watch out for each other. I'm wishing you the best, and I'll talk to you soon.